This time of year, I'm thinking a lot about next year. It's just a part of my role. And so some of that means that this time of year, I'm, I'm working with different teams in Heart of Life like finance team, right? Because there needs to be a, a budget that is formed for next year. So I'm going to be honest with you. Almost every year when I find myself in this spot, I have a tendency toward concern. I do. Now here's why. It's because I'm supposed to be a part of help lead us forward into next year, but almost every year I have to do that during a season of the current year when we are financially behind. Almost every year it's that way. For the past 10, 15 years. At this point in the year, like, you know, we might be 30,000 behind or 50,000 behind in terms of what it takes for us to, to operate overall as a church. And by the end of the year, we have enough. It's the way it works. But every year, my point is we have to make decisions about the future in a moment when the present feels like a struggle. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so some years we have, for example, left the budget the same. Some years we have increased it. Some years we have decreased it. But each time that decision was made, when, when we are asking the question, God, what do you want us to do? And so the point that I want you to see is that the point is not so much what do we do. The point is not does it stay the same. The point is not does it increase. The point is not does it decrease. The point is do we make that decision based on faith and obedience or do we make that decision based on anxiety and fear? Anybody relate at all to having to make that kind of decisions in your life? Like maybe for you, it's for your household, same scenario. Like right now you're going, oh my goodness, economy is crazy. And as I'm looking forward in the next year, how are we going to do this? And there is a tension that you're dealing with and you got to decide if the decisions are going to be based off of a faith in the one we say we trust or will it be based on anxiety and fear. Maybe for some of us, the decision is more important than money. Like for some of you, maybe it's your kids. It's your kids, and you're trying to figure out how to help your kids. You're trying to figure out how to protect your kids, but in that struggle, you got to decide, is your concern based in faith, or is your concern based in anxiety? That is what I want to help you with today, and that is what the text that we're going to study with is all about helping us with today in this third talk in a study series that we have chosen to call Rethink. Rethink. So I'm glad you're here. I really am. I want to welcome you today. 
Those of you joining us online, right, wherever you may be, we are grateful that we could spend some time together. Uh, are you ready for the battle this evening? As the red is across this room, right? Are you ready for the battle this evening? Ready? You think it's going to be as good as it was last time? Probably not, right? Probably not, but if we win, we don't care if the battle's as good as it was last time, right? I hope you have fun tonight. I do. But the reason we're here today is because, come on, if we're honest, for most of us, there are some more significant battles going on for our hearts. What are we going to do with that? Take a look at our text today, and when I read this to you, when I read this to you, I want you to think about it in the context of a struggle, right? The, the very first, right, hearers of the text that I'm about to read to you, they were in struggle, right? They were in a time of tension. They were, they were in a time of threat. So I want you to read it in that context. Here we go. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, let me just give you a summary. This is, this is where we've been hanging out for the last several weeks. So, so think about it this way. Even in painful circumstances, even in struggling circumstances, our response can be rejoicing and our response can be gentleness, which we found out means a, a gracious stability. Even in struggle, that's how we can respond. And the reason we can respond that way is because we have a relationship with our God, a relationship with Jesus. We are in the Lord, and he is a God who is near us, and he is a God who hears our cries for help. What a beautiful statement that God gives us. You don't have to be anxious. You don't. You don't have to be anxious no matter what the circumstance. If it's a current circumstance, right, and you are, you are feeling the, the, the worry, the concern, the truth of the matter is our God is near and he cares. And if it is a future circumstance that you are feeling the anxiety about, Come on, do you realize the God that we're talking about here is not just a God who knows what those future circumstances are. He is a God who is already there. You're like, what? He's already there. Because the God we're talking about here is, is a God, you understand, he is bigger than time. We tend to, we, we think in that way, look, look, Time does not hold him. He holds time. And a part of what that means about him is he does not just know what is going to happen in your future. It's a place that he already is. 
We don't have to be anxious. One day Jesus said it this way, which of you by anxiety can add even an hour to your life? And of course the answer is like none. This anxiety does nothing to help us. Instead, what we're learning in this text is we can pray. Instead, when we pray, we can ask what we need from God. And when we ask, we are to what? Give thanks. No matter the answer. And you're like, uh, I don't know if I want to give thanks if I don't actually get what I'm asking for, right? But, but that's, this is the truth of the matter. When we pray and when we ask, even with thanksgiving, it does not guarantee that God's going to answer it exactly like you think he should answer it. But there is a guarantee. And it is actually the verse that we're wrestling with today. It is just... The verse that follows, verse 7, it is a gift from God to those who ask him with thanksgiving, there is a guarantee. And here is the guarantee. And the peace of God. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's the promise. So you ask God, God, here's, here's the thing I'm worried about. God, here's the thing that I'm struggling about. Here's what I'm going through. And, and God, I, and you, you ask him regarding what you need. And the guarantee is peace. This is the peace that God gives in Christ Jesus. Now, let me, let me show you a little bit. When we, when we study the peace of God in Scripture, here is where we need to, to start. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified, it is a word of, of being made right before God. That's what we're talking about. Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to understand that at the heart of the peace of God, this is more than just a feeling. Because a lot of times when we talk peaceful, we're talking peaceful feeling. This is deeper than a peaceful feeling. The peace of God is about a status change. And what's behind what we're reading in Romans chapter 5 is that you and I, every single one of us, have rebelled against God. Every single one of us. Every single one of us, we have sinned against God. And therefore, there is opposition. We are at enmity with him. We, in a sense, are enemies. We, we have sinned against him. But because of what Jesus has done for us, because of a cross, because of a resurrection, now, not because we have earned it, but because we have placed our faith in Jesus now, there is a status change. Once we were enemies, but now he has made us his, we now have peace with God. And then, 
Once that is true of our lives, a change in our status that now, like, we're good. God, you, you have made us good with you through Jesus. There's peace with God. Now, there is also an effect on our heart. So watch what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I want you to recognize the peace that we're talking about today is not just a peace in your life. This is the peace this, this is Jesus' peace. And once you know that status change that's happened between you and God, the result of that can be this truth. This is a heart trouble-removing peace. That's so good. It's like this is not anchored in a feeling. This is anchored in a relationship that I now have with God. I didn't have it, now I have it because there's peace with God. But because of that status change, now it does affect the temperature of my heart. Suddenly, this trouble that at times I feel in my heart when there's a tension and how do I, what am I going to do and, and, and what's the right decision, he says this is also a heart-troubling peace. Peace of God. It is a supernatural peace. Which is exactly what Paul wants us to see in the verse that we're looking at today. Verse 7, I want to show you just two truths that we read in in this verse. I mean, it's right there. Uh, Take a look at it again, verse 7. And the peace of God, here's the first one, which transcends all understanding. What does that mean? Well, Let's get a few statements here. So the peace of God, this is the first thing I would see. This is peace beyond what thought alone can achieve. This is peace beyond what thought alone can achieve. When you feel anxiety, does it affect how you think? Sure it does. When you feel anxiety, it it, it affects how we think. And and immediately, our response can be, I need to figure out how to fix this. Here's the anxiety I'm feeling. How do I get out of this? How do I remedy this? But what we're learning in this text is if instead we will start with, let your requests be made known to God. Instead of my first thought being, how do I fix this? If my first thought is toward God, you are the one who knows how to fix these. That is more powerful than any strategy of positive thinking or any other kind of thinking that you're ever going to come up with. This peace settles on you and you can't just give credit to good thinking. No counselor can give you the peace of God. They can point you toward him, and thank God we got some good ones that do. But no counselor can give you the peace of God. No technique of thinking 
can give you the peace of God. Now, thank goodness we got counselors who, who know that, that, that real peace comes from God, and so there really are some, some strategies that, that help us to learn some disciplines to think right, and we're going we're gonna, to like, see even more of that in this text as we move forward. But this is a peace that only God can give. So I want us to make sure we understand right thinking does not lead to the peace of God. But the peace of God will lead us to right thinking. This is the anchor. And it is beyond what thought alone can achieve. It's supernatural. All right? But there's another one. Go back to the verse. The peace of God which transcends all understanding. Second, we'll guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So let's just make the statement so it gives you something that you could jot down today. Not only is it beyond what thought alone can achieve, but this is peace that guards the heart and the mind from what I'm calling faithless anxiety. You remember in our study of several weeks, we, we saw that there's some concerns that they're good. But then there are some times where our concern is not, it's anxiety because it's not anchored in a trust in him. When I'm anxious, my heart and my mind race. And when my heart and my mind begin to race, they begin to wander. And when they wander, if I'm not careful, I suddenly find myself off the track. And, I, and I, suddenly there is dangerous and there is destructive action that can even be taken. The promise that we're getting today is that when we, when we pray, right, when, when there is thanksgiving, there is, there is a guarantee it is a peace of God that guards. The word guard, it's a military term. And to these, to the people to whom Paul wrote the first time, the Philippians, they are familiar with military presence. Philippi was a Roman colony. They are used to seeing Roman guards all over that city. They were very accustomed to seeing a, a sentry, a guard, a garrison. They knew what that meant. Protection. It means protection. So please do not miss what God's word is telling us today. If you know God, and you know that he is near. And you know that he is in control even in the middle of the trials that you go through. You can be thankful for the good that God is going to bring as he walks you through that struggle. Now, remember I told you earlier, you can pray and you can ask, but it doesn't guarantee that God's going to like do that exactly like you think he can, can do it. That's actually good news because we're talking about a God who's always good. And the fact of the matter is, sometimes what I'm asking him for is not good. Sometimes what I'm asking him for is not the best We've got a God who's good, who cares about us enough that he will actually answer according to what is good, not just what I will whine to him about. When you know 
God and when you know that he is near and when you know that he is in control in the middle of the trial and you can be thankful that God is going to bring good even out of that struggle, then you are granted the peace of God which protects you from a non-trusting distrust. You trust him. Jeff, why does it say hearts and minds here? I, I think he's just saying all of it. Like, I think it's a comprehensive statement if he's just saying your whole inner self, your whole inner being, he guards you. So let's read it one more time. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So I want to give you the challenge today that I think this text is about. It's the challenge and it's the promise. Whether your struggle is with work, whether it's your health, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your kids, this is the challenge and the promise that is attached. It is simply, pray with thanksgiving and experience the peace of God. Pray with thanksgiving and experience the peace of God. Now, I want to encourage you, get your phone, get a, get a pen, whatever you got. Jot, jot, jot this down because I want you to wrestle with this a little bit because I, I want you to, I mean, this is, this is real. This is transforming. This is God speaking right from his word. I'm not making this up. He says, pray with thanksgiving and experience the peace of God. But in order for us to really I think, see this true in our life. There are two questions that we got to answer before we're done. Two questions that make sure we understand that we know what God is saying to us when he says, pray with thanksgiving and experience his peace. Here's the first question. Why do I want peace? Why do I want peace? And you're saying, Jeff, that's a dumb question. Why would you not want peace? Like, who, who, whoever, like, when would you never not want peace? But here's why I'm asking the question. Did you know that you and I tend to be really good, I'm going to call us experts, at deceptively making things about us? I know it's shocking. I know, I know it's shocking, but somebody needed to tell you, all right? You, you and I, we are experts at deceptively making things about us. Just a quick story I want to attach. My, my wife um, is about to celebrate um, a birthday. It's, it's birthday, this is what this means in our house, it's birthday month. That started a long time ago, all right? We don't do birth day, we don't do birth week, we do birth month. That's what she believes when it comes to, to, birth, to birthdays, all right? So um, 
I know what she likes. I do. Leather. You're like, too much information. No, here's what I mean, all right? Here's what I mean. My wife, my wife, she told me I could do that. Just so you know, she told me. I'm a smarter man than that. She told me I could do that. My wife likes purses and football. Both fine leather. See what I'm saying? See what I'm saying? So what, what am I going to get her for her birthday? I am getting her a purse and a football. Right? Well, sort of. I am going to get her a purse. I am. She truly enjoys that. Um, everybody's got something they enjoy and that they like, right? And so that, that's one of those things that she enjoys. And so I'm going to get her um, a really nice purse, at least in, in, in she and my standards. And, and she can take that purse with her when I take her down to Baton Rouge and she can sit in Tiger Stadium and cheer or the tigers that we like, all right? That's what I'm going to do. Aren't I a good husband? <laughs> Seriously. Aren't I, I mean, aren't I a good husband? What a, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's pretty unselfish. Uh, I mean, it's like, it's 12 hours to drive down there, 12 hours. Seriously, right now, there aren't hardly any plane tickets, and the ones that are, you got to, like, sell the house or something to get them. So it's like, I'm going to have to drive 12 hours down there. It's, it's 12 hours driving back. I mean, that whole process of at the stadium, there's 103,000 people in the stadium, not counting the people that just show up on the outside that just kind of party all day long. So, I mean, just, just thousands and thousands of people that I have to deal with. There's, there's traffic that you just, you got to navigate, trying to get in, trying to, to get out. Um, we're, we're talking Baton Rouge, so it's going to be hot. It's going to be like 80-something degrees probably. I'll be sweating. I mean, it, it's, it's like, but I'm going to do it for her. We are experts at deceptively making something about us. So here's my question. Are you doing the same thing with the gifts of God? And today my question is, are you doing that with the peace of God? And the way I could frame it differently is, is the peace of God about your comfort or is the peace of God about the greatness of Jesus? See, back in chapter 2 of this little book that we've been studying all year, Paul said that we could have joy in every situation. We studied that a long time ago, early in the year. We could have joy in every situation. But here was the key. He's like, this is not just so that we could be happy, but it's so that the world 
the world around us would recognize the power of Jesus in our lives, the language he used is you will shine like stars. Remember that? He's like, because come on, the rest of the world, they go through struggles and there's one way that they react, but you who know Jesus, when you go through struggles and you demonstrate a joy, they recognize there's something different. It's about the one who is different in you. We got to chapter 4, and the topic was gracious stability. We, did, we read that earlier, this, this gentleness. This, he goes, you can have gracious stability in every situation. You can, no matter what you're going through. But it's not just so that you can feel stable. No, it's so that when the world looks in, right, the language he used is that it would be evident to all. That was the phrase. Not just the church, but to the world around you that in the struggles you are able to walk with a calmness because of the one who is with you. And I'm saying the same line of thinking is happening today. Today it's peace. Peace. And the reason is supposed to be the same reason. It's when an unbelieving world looks at our lives and if we are weighted down with an anxiousness, we, we, they see the effect of a, of a fear in our lives, there's not going to be an asking for who is your God? But when our testimony can become, I am walking through this struggle, and no, I am not sure what the future holds in terms of exactly how this is going to play, but this is what I know. I not only have peace with God, but he has taken the trouble of my heart and given me supernatural peace. Peace even in the struggle. See, if our reason for wanting to be free from anxiety is only that we can live a peaceful life, come on, the focus is where? It's on me. The focus is on us. It is just another disguised attempt to use God to bring about our own right? Desire, our own peace, if you will. But Jesus said, whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel, he will save it. The great news is that the peace Jesus offers is the byproduct of making Jesus king of my life and living for his kingdom. I'm just warning you, that you can play this game with the peace of God, you can pray, you can ask in thanksgiving, but when that is only about saying, I just want my life to be safe and peaceful and this is really about my comfort and that alone, you are not going to experience the peace of God. The peace of God comes when I am willing to say, as I walk through this struggle, God, I want you to be the king 
of every part of me, including this struggle. You be the king of how I think through this. You be the king of how I walk through this. When you do that, what are you doing? You're trusting. You're trusting. It's no longer about you just trying to protect for peace, but you are trusting him. And when you do, the guarantee, peace. Peace. One more question. Not only why do I want peace, but what is prayer? What is prayer? Here's why I'm, here's why I'm saying this today. We, we have a tendency to take a scripture like we're in right now and we turn it into a formula. We turn it into a formula. The formula is, if you don't want anxiety, then pray and ask, and then ask with thanksgiving, and then you will get the peace of God. We turn it into a formula. You want something, you do something, you get something. It becomes this technique that we employ to get peace. And I want you to know Today, it is so much more than that. It is so much better than that. Many years ago, I heard a statement. It's just a short little phrase, a statement about prayer that forever changed my view of what prayer really is. This was the statement. It's the life that prays. That was the statement. It's the life that prays. And here's what it meant. It's time to stop thinking about prayer like a tool. <laughs> we, we think prayer is like a tool. It's like you, you, you take the tool and, and, man, when you want something, you go to work. And so when you need something, you pray, right? It, it's like a tool that you use. No. Prayer is supposed to be the life that you live. In the, in the sense of it's supposed to represent that this ongoing attitude of your heart. Here's the picture. I have a real relationship with the almighty God. He's near. He's with me. He's for me. He loves me. He holds me. So what God promises me is, is so much more than a quick fix, right? That, that, I could, that I could, hey, I need peace, and so I jump through a hoop, and, and, and he will give me peace. It's so much more than a technique for me to operate in that I could calm the struggles in my life. No, this is about a never-ending relationship with God. This is about I love him. And therefore, I want to please him in every part of my life. And so all day long, thus all life long, what my heart's desire is to be, God, I want to hear you. God, I want to trust you. God, I want to follow you. All day long, all day long, from, from the moment I wake up till at night, that my heart's attitude, that the position of my heart would be, God, I'm depending on you. I'm leaning on you. It's the life that prays. You see what I'm saying? It's not a tool. It's not a strategy. It's a life that we are called to communicate with God and to, to be with him that in my struggle, 
I'm running into his arms like a kid runs into a parent that he knows loves him. In my struggles, I'm focused on his grace that will be enough. And in my struggle, I'm pouring out the cares of my heart to him. And when I do that with my life, peace stands guard. Then you can pray. Can we look at the phrase again? With thanksgiving. Then we can experience the peace of God. Because the answer to my why is not just me selfishly wanting this life to be like heaven and no worries and no struggles. No, this is about this life, recognizing there is a mission to which God has called me and I want his greatness to be known. And it's because I understand that God's not just giving me a tool here. He's not just giving me a technique here. He wants a forever conversation with me, a relationship. And when I understand those things, then this becomes a prayer of thanksgiving and an experience of the peace of God. Do you understand how absolutely magnificent that is? That like it would be tremendous grace for the God of all creation to give us a technique, right? For him to just do that for us would be gracious. It, it would be tremendous for the God of creation to just to give us a tool to deal with our mess. And instead, he gave us himself. Himself. So I'm going to ask you right now, if you're joining us online, to not check out yet. I'm asking you, don't turn it off. Because it just seems like maybe now we should pray. We should pray. And I want to give you that time to do that. We're not putting anybody on a spot. Nobody's to be embarrassed at this moment. I'm just going to kind of want to encourage you to walk you through right where you are seated, right where you are, to take God up on this most magnificent offer as he offers himself. So across the room, those of you joining us, I'm going to ask, could we just bow our hearts before him now? Um, you know what? That may mean that for you, you love to like literally, you know, get on your knees. You can do that. I want you to know you have the freedom to do that. It means that you can sit right where you are. For It's really not about whether eyes are open or closed or any of that stuff. It's about the position of your heart. And so I want to encourage you right now to bow before him. And maybe the place that you need to start is to just be honest with him. And maybe for you it's to admit the selfishness that today he has brought to light. 
that there have been moments that, in a sense, it's about trying to use God to get what you want. Instead, I want, you to, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer to him. Ask the king. He is the king. Ask him to help you. Let him be king of you. Let's just do that for a minute. Let's just spend some time. Ask him, the king, to help you. Let him be king of you. Spend some time with him. Ask him to help you let go and to trust. Ask him to give you faith. And so now that you've been honest with him about what he already knew, here's his invitation. I want you to think right now about the thing in your life that has the potential to bring the most anxiety for you right now. In this season, what's the thing that has the most potential to bring the most anxiety to your heart. And here's what he says. Ask him to help you now. Come on, pour out your heart to him. Just be honest, pour out your heart. Ask him, ask him to help you. then go ahead and give him thanks. The thanks is not the guarantee that he's going to fix this exactly the way you think it needs to be fixed. But the thanks is that he is your good father. And he is about to act in a way that you can count on he's good and you can trust, thank him for that. I'm gonna invite you, just keep going. You keep talking to him, we're gonna sing a little bit. We're going to worship this king that we can trust. We're going to worship. As we do, you feel the freedom. We'll be available. There, 
people available in every location today. If you need somebody to pray with, man, what, why would we not do that together? Let's pray for one another. Let's fight for one another, knowing that the king holds us. And when we pray, there is peace. I love you guys. Let's worship together.